Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Within Diogenes Laertes' Life of Aristippus in Book 6 of his Lives of the Philosophers, we find a discussion of some of the other members of the Cyrenaic school, and perhaps one of the most interesting of these besides the founder Aristippus is this guy Hegesias, who is often read as being quite a pessimist, right? Now, Diogenes says that the school of Hegesias adopted the same ends, the same goals, the scopus, literally the things that you're aiming at, pleasure and pain. So they're like the other Cyrenaics in that respect. But they're going to differ on some other matters, drawing different conclusions than some of the other Cyrenaics have done. And so it's good to start with the wise person. What do they think of the sophos or the phronimos, the person who really has it figured out, the sage sometimes we call them. So, you know, as we've talked about elsewhere, the Cyrenaic sage is you know, maybe not quite such a lofty figure as the sage is in some of the other schools of ancient philosophy, but they do have advantages over other people. So one of the first things that we can attend to is this interesting quip that life is advantageous to the fool, luciteles, literally. So it's, it's something that's useful, something that's profitable is another way of putting it. But to the wise, and here it's uh, phronimos, the person who, you know, has practical wisdom, it is something that is indifferent, adiaphoron, right? So it's not saying that life is bad. It's just living and dying, as they point out a little bit earlier on, life and death are each desirable in certain circumstances. So, you know, if your life really sucks, then if you're a sage, then you'd be like, ah, I'm not getting anything out of this. It's much more painful than pleasurable. Maybe I'll let it go. Whereas the fool, you know, presumably in this, it's not that life really is profitable to the fool. The fool thinks of life that way. They are are unduly attached to life. Now, another thing that we learn about the sage that's quite interesting is that they are self-interested in a rational way, right? So they will act in all things. They will engage in actions or conduct, praxe, right? Out of their own interests, how to henica. So henica means on account of, and how to is, you know, one's own self. So they will be taking their own self and what's good for them or bad for them into account more than anybody else. Why? Well, because there's nobody else who this person regards as equally deserving. Axion auto. Axion, axios is a word that we actually get axiom from, something that is worth considering, right? And so auto in this case is also uh, themselves. And so 
It's not to say that other people don't matter at all, but if you're a sage, you realize you're a sage and everybody else is kind of falling short of that. And then there's another great line here as well about the wise person, supposing him to reap the greatest advantages from another, right? To literally harvest like fruit, the greatest things. Well, they still would not be equal. And the word here again is oxia, but here it's antoxia. There's no comparison in return for what it is that the sage brings to the table, what it is that they contribute. So again, not a denial that other people can contribute something, but the sage is better off. And there's another thing that we learn about the sage that I think is really interesting here. So Hegesias apparently did not consider the sage to be better off than everybody else in every single respect when it comes to the ultimate, you know, goods and bads of life, namely pleasures and pains. What we learn here is that the sage is better off with respect to avoiding or rejecting the things that are painful evils, right? Fuge. And they are not better off with respect to choosing the good, which is pleasure. That's quite interesting, isn't it? And this fleeing or rejecting and pursuing or choosing, this is really a basic category for ancient moral theory, right? Uh, That is part of what ethics is all about is, is choosing and rejecting and making those choices on the right basis. So this is a kind of a different picture of what the wise person's life is going to be. If the Cyrenaic idea in general is a bit of a deflation or lowering of the idea of the sage, I would say that with Hegesias, it goes even a little bit lower as well. Now, the sage for Hegesias and his school is realizing what it is that other people should be realizing as well, but are often deluded about. And one of these things is that there's no real gratitude, charis in Greek, right? Being thankful to to other people for having done things for you. There's no real friendship, philia, right? And there's no real beneficence. You ergesia, literally like doing good to other people or doing things that are good for other people. And why is that the case? Well, he tells us that the Hegesians think none of these things are actually chosen for their own sake. So this, this qualifies it a bit. Yeah, there's things we call friendship. There's things we call gratitude. There's things we call beneficence. There's things that look like it, but none of these are chosen because they're the good thing or the right thing to do, but because of a kind of usefulness. Dia tas, chreas autas. And this chrea, you know, it could be interpreted in a couple different ways. It's interesting because this is also a term that gets used for like sayings, but it could also be like, you know, social expectations, but it has to do with using, right? And so these are the things that we use to get by in the world, but they don't have value in and of themselves the way that many other philosophers think that they do. Now, we get to another really distinctive doctrine of the Hegesian Cyrenaics in this notion that happiness, eudaimonia, happiness in the full extent, is actually impossible. It can't be produced or realized. Now, the other Cyrenaics before this, and Aristippus seem to think that, yeah, there is happiness, eudaimonia, 
but it's not actually the goal of life. What is the goal of life? Enjoying particular pleasures that compose happiness. If you try to aim at happiness directly, you're not going to realize it. It's better to pursue the pleasures that are in front of you. Here's where Hegesias, you know, could be viewed as, as rather pessimistic. So <laughs> happiness is impossible. Why? Well, because the body itself is infected with all sorts of, we could translate this as passions or sufferings. And this is kind of an interesting phrase here because what they're actually saying is that these things are woven into the body, right? It's, it's sort of like, this is the nature of human beings. So, you know, for some of us like myself who deal with chronic pain at some level every day, that could be an example of this, right? Just about every day, if it's not my knees hurting, it's probably my shoulders or it's my back or who knows what else, right? And we can think of all sorts of other sufferings that people have. And these could extend to emotions. Some people are depressed. Some people are anxious. Some people make stupid decisions. <laughs> right and there so the body is like a locus for suffering. It's also a locus for having pleasures. He's not denying that, but there is going to be suffering involved here. And since the soul is connected with the body, here's the second reason, right? Well, the soul shares in the suffering of the body. So, you know, you think, for example, he doesn't go into any details here, but so you've got some chronic pain that you're experiencing and you're thinking, oh man, this is bad now. What's it going to be like 20 years from now? I could do something to reduce the pain, but everything seems to be kind of a trade-off. If I take these pills over here, are they going to screw up my organs? And we could go on and on and on. This, this is all matters of the soul or the mind. And then there's a third factor, fortune, tuche, luck, literally, or chance often disappoints our hopes. You know, here the translation is just fortune often disappoints, but what does it actually disappoint? So the, the Greek phrase runs, right? So the things that we want, the things in accordance with hope. So, you know, so not to say don't hope or anything, right? That's kind of natural to us human beings, but the world isn't going to necessarily conform to that. Or if it does for a little while, watch out because 2K, fortune, will quickly change those things. So happiness is just not available, just not possible. It's something that we talk about, but you know, sort of like all these other things, gratitude, friendship, beneficence. If we really thought about them, we would see from the Hegesian perspective, they'll, those are just pipe dreams. They're not really things that we can find, you could say, in the wild of human affairs. There's one last really interesting set of differences between Hegesius's doctrine and many other virtue ethics or ancient ethics, right? And that is this indifference, or it's even like translated here as lacking relevance, right? So there's a whole bunch of things that are rattled off here and they're all opposites and none of them actually have to do much with 
pleasure, or pain. And this may seem a little counterintuitive, right? So what are they? Well, poverty and riches. And, you know, here we get a little bit of an argument about that. They don't actually have anything to contribute to pleasure. Why? He says, well, because the rich and the poor, they don't actually differ when it comes to enjoying pleasure. And you can say, well, wait a second. Rich people can have more pleasure, can't they? They can purchase all sorts of things. Well, right, sure. I mean, they can enjoy different pleasures. The pleasure of drinking an expensive bottle of wine is one that's, you know, certainly possible for me, but it's not something I could do every day because it would literally break the bank. But if you're a rich person, you can drink fancy wine all the time. But if you're like me, here's a prime example, I, I can be just as happy drinking cheap wine because I can't tell the difference between rich and expensive wine. It's nice that it's got a decent taste and that it you know, gives you that intoxicating effect. I mean, the poor cannot enjoy necessarily all the same pleasures as the rich, but there's plenty of pleasures to actually enjoy. And he goes out and he talks about you know, sort of upping the game, slavery and freedom, being subject to somebody else, being a free person, doesn't really make a big difference as far as pleasure goes. Good or bad birth, the kind of family that you're in and the opportunities and the prestige that that affords or the opprobrium that comes with that, right? Or good or bad reputation, doxa and adoxia. Translated in here as honor, but that's not quite the best translation. Reputation would probably be a better way of translating it. None of these things actually change whether we can experience pleasure or pain, according to Hegesias. We might, again, see this as a little bit paradoxical or counterintuitive, but this is his reinterpretation of the doctrine that this Cyrenaic school has. And apparently Hegesias had plenty of his own followers who took this path, this mindset, this way of looking at things, this divergence, perhaps you could say, over that of the, if we want to call them orthodox Cyrenaics who follow Aristippus's uh, doctrines and teachings in all of these matters. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.